Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We're talking college and NFL headlines this hour. OutKick 360, the final hour is here. Just like that. Thursday edition from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And uh, we've got one big thing on every NFL game for Week 8, which kicks off tonight as Baltimore visits Tampa Bay for Thursday night football. We've got a London game, which is on ESPN+. Plus. For some reason, they think that, and I guess they didn't pay premium dollar for this one, they think Denver and Jacksonville is going to make you subscribe to ESPN+. Plus for the 9.30 Eastern AM kickoff. Um, I didn't have it. I wouldn't get it for that. I will give you, though, one big thing on that game, like every game that's coming up Love in 20 it. minutes. We also have the SEC Las Vegas rankings we do every week at this time that's coming up in five minutes. Um, Chad, you've got the Ricky and West End back and forth. You're, are, you, um, are you tweeting no, it no, back I, right I'm now? I'm trying to tweet out the link because I'm about to – Go on one here, and I'm tweeting out that I'm, I'm t- what I'm tired of and what I'm okay, about to talk about. Well, get get, get collect your thoughts. Can I Make, roll up my sleeves spell, first? Spell check this, Paul. Did Tannehill practice today? They called him limited. So, um, no. but listen, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm out there for the first uh, you know 18, 20 minutes, whatever they let you out there for. He wasn't out there for stretch in the very beginning. Then you know I I tweeted out one video where he's you know doing a lot of instructing. Uh, to where the the equipment men who catch some early passes need to be and and for Malik Willis and Logan Woodside, the practice squad guy, and what they need to do. He's not taking a snap in that. If you're not taking a snap in the very lightest part of practice and for show to the media. And he's wearing cleats and he's taped up. Yeah, he's taped up. I find it hard to believe you're taking a snap in the stuff that comes after that, which is significantly asks for significantly more from you. Let me bring up one question, and then we're going to get to the beef. Yep. How, when we don't know, because this is the part where it's close to the media, how are they splitting reps between Willis and Woodside? Because Willis can't throw the football like Woodside can. He will be called up from the practice squad. He's active either way this week. They're going to carry three on game day. Right? I would presume, unless they like, have a scenario where a... they're confident Tannehill could serve as the emergency guy okay. or that I... they'd go wildcat or something just... like that, or unless they call Tannehill just out they... and they bring up Woodside and their two quarterbacks. Just from a, and I know they don't look at it like this, and if they do, they wouldn't admit it. They've got Kansas City next week coming off a bye. I would make sure Tannehill is as healthy as possible for that one, knowing that and I, I get it. No, no game is easy. This one, though, you know you can run it on the Texans. I, you that's know, where I, that's I, where I my might head even is go Thursday. beyond that. I, I don't think they can beat Kansas City. Uh, uh, so I would win this game but without him. Before I would team. lose to Kansas City without him, and I'd worry about Denver. I would, I would not. I would not rush it. I would get him back where it's not going to re-aggravate it quickly. I, I don't think he's playing the next two games. He's definitely not playing Sunday. 
Well, based on the evidence we've seen, he is that is going to be a Malik I mean, Willis quarterbacks game. practice without uh, play without practicing. Uh, uh, Steve McNair did it here all the time. Ryan Tannehill's pretty damn tough. And it's not like, I mean. And they're not going to throw it a ton. Tannehill gets them in the right. He keeps them out of the bad play. Yeah. Right? Like that. that's more effective than getting you into the right play. And with Tannehill and, or with Willis, I think they throw it 15 times. Sure. In this game. Yeah. You know, they're not going to boot and roll out. But, but like, they are preparing for two very different skill sets. Todd but Tannehill has been rocked the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And, uh, even... Uh, even after the bye, prior to the bye, he was sacked five times, hit like ten times. My point is, you know, they're they're going with Ellinger in, in Indy in part because he's mobile. Tannehill's not mobile this week. So even if he plays. So I would just make sure to what Chad's saying, you don't re-aggravate it. But the fact he's already been out there two days in front of the media with no boot is a good sign. So take that for what it's worth if you're trying to lay a little money down on this game or you're just trying to pick it or if you're a fan of the Titans or the Texans, or just football in general, the starting quarterback storylines, he's a big one this week. Vrabel's pretty good about declaring clear guys on Friday. I'll do my best to get out there when he declares it, but, I mean, everybody will report it. Um, he might leave it as a game-time decision for a little <clears throat> mystery or because they truly don't know and want him to warm up on Sunday. But we could know tomorrow at, uh, you know, 12, 12.30. There's a lot of people that think Willis Central. is ready. I, he, he's not. Ready. He's not ready. And I that, mean, he could, he could win this game. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and, and he'll I run think, a lot. And I think Henry can win this game. And, yeah. and, and look, Henry's run for 211, 212, and 250 in his last three games against the Texans. Yes. But Henry's not hitting home runs right now. To do that, he'll need something bigger than 24 yards, which is his long run of the season. Chad's about to hit home run, I think. Yeah. Let's False go. equivalencies. I'm so tired of this with, with this Jermaine Burton, Alabama story and comparing it to other things. Before I get to Ricky and West End, I want to lay out some other things that I've heard. Yes. All over social media, not just from bots either. These are actual people with actual names and actual jobs behind what they're saying. People saying things like, well, Jermaine Burton, he didn't hit the girl. He just smacked her upside the head. It didn't hurt her. And Tennessee had a guy flip off Alabama fans. That is not the same. That is not the same at all. We also saw Jermaine Burton smack the phone out of a guy's hand and sort of shove him in the chest. We didn't have an issue with that. If you step on the field and want to taunt a large football player and put your phone in their face after a, an emotional loss and you are a guy, you might get shoved. You might get the phone knocked out of your hand. I'm not saying haul off and wreck the guy, but you, that might happen, and we're not going to come on here and talk about it and make it into a big deal. Jermaine Burton, go watch the video. He walked off the field. A woman was walking around him, trying to avoid him, walked past him, and he decided to then give her a pie face to the back of the head, knocking her head back. She's not injured. There's nothing terrible that happened to her physically. He should be suspended. I'm not calling for the guy to be kicked off the team, which many are. I'm not calling for an arrest to be made, which many are. I'm simply stating that if you are Nick Saban, you've got to have the balls to suspend a guy for a game or two. When they do that, send a message. Jermaine Burton's not going to be the end-all, be-all if you beat Mississippi State at home or not. Give me a break. The guy's not even that good this year. Suspend him. Send a message. Do not cater to behavior like that. And anyone defending it 
and acting like it's not a big deal or it's the same as a kid flipping off fans is being an utter moron. So please stop with that. Now here's the new one with Ricky and West End. He says, boy, there's a lot of college football players claiming fear out there. Really funny to see that. The word fear is being thrown around loosely to defend actions. This is another false equivalency. The point he is trying to make is that Jalen McCullough, in his legal defense, stated that he was in fear for his well-being. Now, let's examine the two situations. Situation one is Jermaine Burton walking off a field at the time with no one around him, no one in his face, right next to the tunnel, deciding to sideswipe a 110-pound college student on his way to the tunnel. He's citing, well, he was afraid, and he was acting out of fear. The second situation is Jalen McCullough, a Tennessee football player, in his apartment on a Sunday afternoon with his roommate, another football player, and his girlfriend, and a drunk kid, college kid, I'm assuming, walks into his apartment, is belligerent, is told to leave, will not leave, admitted, the victim admitted to talking bleep to McCullough in the apartment and told him, you don't have to be a a bleep about it. When he asked him to leave multiple times, they finally got him to leave. He turned to come back into the apartment and he punched him. That's the claim, right? Now, we can sit here and argue semantics. Was it too much force? Did he have to punch him in the face? Probably not. Should he get a felony assault for hitting someone that walks into his house and talks trash to him, will not leave, and then tries to come back in the house? No, he shouldn't get a felony assault for something like that. But here's the big difference in the two cases. I'm going to explain this in crayon right now for Ricky and anyone else that wants to argue anything else with this. Jalen McCullough missed two games. This guy is a sixth-year senior who missed a game against Alabama. He stuck through the Jeremy Pruitt years. Stuck through it. Started since his freshman year. He did not get to take the field with his teammates when fans rushed the field and they beat Alabama because of this claim by this victim. And he's he's been cleared on campus. He's been cleared on campus. He's missed two games. He may miss this third game. All right? Whatever. He's suffered. He's missed two games. Jermaine Burton has not set one game. That's the equivalency I want to make in this. I've got no issue with Heupel. You get charged with felony assault, you're not going to play. I understand that. Regardless of what the player's saying, regardless if it was justified or not, you're not going to play. I've got no big issue with him sitting the last two weeks. My issue is with people trying to compare, again, a male college student punching another male college student that enters their home drunk and will not leave their home versus a college football player exiting a football field and taking a swipe at a woman who doesn't even see him. Not the same. Stop arguing it. Please be done with it. There are really no grounds to argue. And Ricky is smarter than this. Also, one is a lawyer. When Nick Saban says that he was in fear and that we've been afraid, he is saying that to cover his own butt because he didn't suspend him. Jalen McCall is trying to not go to jail when he claims he was in fear. There's a very big difference between the two. And the guy that the who he punched is holding a vodka, a bottle of vodka or whatever, a glass, talking to the uh, police. 
giving his side of the the story. I mean, it's it's the whole thing is bizarre. You know, it's, he's, it, he's still it, sipping on vodka as he you know misses a, a tooth and a half or whatever. It it's is. just weird to me that like that he got taken away in a cop car. Yeah, because the original the original now, report, now you could say his like, girlfriend right. called him back over right, yeah. and he came back to the apartment, and that's whenever they arrested him. Unquestionably, not the. I same. mean, I guess you know the optics of if he left after it happened, he didn't call the cops. The other guy did. Yeah, I mean, he came he's right called, back. He's called I mean, back. He comes right back over. Uh, he also would not give a statement, so all they had was the one statement. But, but that's, I, I mean, that's War, also Warren Burrell is in the apartment with him. He's yeah. his roommate. So did they not ask him what happened? Because uh, the the account I was hearing about on the radio was it he was there. They were both no, telling him to leave, yeah. and the guy wouldn't leave. And when he finally did, he he attempted to get back in. Again, like you're doing that, you're getting punched. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> it's just people trying to compare the two, or well, your guy did this, so we. Just, I, just say it how it is. I've mean, told you, you guys People about come the, back and say, well, if it's a Tennessee player, you wouldn't want him suspended. Of course I would. If a Tennessee player walked off the field and hit a woman on the way off the field, we, I'd hope they'd miss a game or two. I mean, you guys... I'm not asking for their life to be over. I'm not asking for them to be kicked off the team. But they should probably sit a game or two, and I'd have an issue with it if they didn't. I've told you, I mean, Paul certainly has his own account of uh, middle-of-the-night intruder. But, like, in, in college... Um, this girl randomly, I'm, I'm leaving to go to Titans radio, like my junior year of college, Sunday morning, early. And I'm walking through and there's this girl passed out in our apartment, um, on the couch. And I'm like, who, what is going on here? And I was like making a, uh, I was getting a pop tart or something, making a coffee. And she woke up and freaked out because she meant to go to D and she went to B complex and we you know my roommates went out the night previous so i guess the door was open she came in and just passed out but there's no telling why this guy ended up in that apartment but i mean it's you've got to have a a better reason than i just tried to go back in and i was drunk yeah he was holding a handle of vodka talking to the cops giving a statement that way and he he admitted i i went to the wrong building not the wrong apartment there were separate buildings. He went to the wrong building, to the floor in a different building, and walked in. And we yeah, all have stories like that. Too. I mean, I, yeah. I I had a buddy who walked in a in a dorm to the wrong floor and fell asleep in someone else's bed, and woke up <laughs> surrounded by people staring at him. You know, and he was a floor up because he was the guy on the waste, couch. woke up to go uh, relieve himself, <laughs> and then walked up you know another floor and went back to bed somewhere else. These things happen, but just use your brain on this. Yes, for anyone, if your buddy gets that drunk and walks into someone else's home and decides to start stuff and is talking trash to the owner of the home when told to leave and won't leave and gets punched in the face and loses teeth sucks for your buddy. Yeah. Not a crime, not a felony assault. And I would be the first to say that even if it was my friend, I'm thinking, well, bad mistake by your buddy, bad mistake by my buddy. Uh, Sorry that the guy decided to punch you. But if it happened in the home or around the home and you wouldn't leave or you decided to take that moment to talk trash. So just to be clear, Chad, what are they waiting on now with him? I don't know. Police department? I don't know. Sounds like. Sounds like the university's all cleared it. Yeah, because Heifel has said like the campus has cleared him. We we certainly, you guys know where we stand on this. Two different panels, according to Trey, right? 
I don't know. Two different university I, panels. I think it needs to like. be I, – I don't know. He's not going to – first off, Heupel's not going to tell you one way or the other. He's not going to say if Cedric Tillman's going to play. You'll just know on Saturday. Well, WBIR is reporting if he's out there. Cedric Tillman expected to play against Kentucky barring setbacks. Yeah, and Pete Thamel will have a report on Saturday morning because he gets all the reports for college game day, and he'll say one way or the other if he's playing or not. But you'll find out for sure on Saturday. Expected is one thing. Um, McCullough, I, I would guess, and Trey said, he thinks he'll play this, this Saturday. I guess that's the case, but I mean, if you're technically waiting for the legal process to play out, he's got a court date, I think, on November 18th. They're trying to move up to November 1st. The expectation, I believe, reading the claim would be that the charges would be dismissed at the court date. So if you're waiting yeah. for the chart, now that you've got his side of the story, do you let him play, even though the charge is still out there, or do you wait until that court date and see if it's dismissed or not? I don't know. Just, um, just stop making comparisons with things that aren't comparable. Yes. Because those are two situations that are not comparable I, at all. I don't think Tennessee and, and Kentucky are comparable on the field this Me Saturday. Either. We've got uh, the SEC Vegas rankings. We do this through philstill.com, which is behind a paywall, but he's nice enough to relate this to Chad on a weekly basis, where the SEC stacks up and how Vegas views each program based on a neutral field. And Tennessee this week is number four, and Kentucky is at 20. So they've, they've moved up. Alabama and Georgia are at two and three. You can, yes, it's Ohio State, number one. Alabama two, Georgia three, Tennessee four. And then there's a drop-off. LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas are inside the top 20. And then you get to Kentucky and Texas A&M. You know, it's, it's interesting that both Tennessee and Kentucky are one spot lower than their AP ranking, according to Vegas. Tennessee three in the AP, Kentucky 19, both the spot lower. Here's the biggest riser, LSU. Boy, they rocketed up the last two weeks. 13th now in the country, according to Vegas, on a neutral field. So uh, that win they for Tennessee, that, that blowout win at LSU – Looks even better when you look at that. And, of course, they have the win over Alabama. They'll play Georgia next week, Kentucky this week. Um, the separation, so I talked with Trey about South Carolina-Missouri, teams that are close in these rankings. South Carolina has a game coming up against Florida at Florida in November. South Carolina hosts Missouri. Florida's already beaten Missouri this year. That 35-58 to 58 spot, Vegas is telling us there's not a big difference between 43 and 58 because 43 South Carolina is hosting 58 Missouri this weekend. They're only three and a half point favorite at home. So that's a big gap of 15 spots, but they're telling you there's really no difference between 43 to 58 uh, in the rankings. And the respect level for Tennessee continues to be right there. Kentucky, I mean, Vegas likes Kentucky, but not on they like Kentucky at home right like that's this is where I you see the drop off from four to 20 and I'm thinking meh neutral field or in Knoxville to me the spread makes sense I know a lot of people are thinking that Kentucky's covering this week I'm not one of them what's the spread I don't think Kentucky 11 and a half Kentucky has been underwhelming as big favorites this season in games but Kentucky's very good against the spread. I'll give you an example. I want to say they were a three-point underdog at Ole Miss or three-and-a-half and lost by three in that game. I believe they actually covered the spread. 
at Ole Miss in a 22-19 no, loss because it was like four or five maybe. It was six and a half. Was yeah, spread. that Ole Miss was favored by. So they actually covered in that one. There's a lot of late money coming in on Kentucky. It's down to 11 and a half last I checked uh, to, to cover this spread against Tennessee. It. I mean, just we saw Alabama's best. I, I realize they, they had 17 penalties. We, we saw Bryce Young, the Heisman winner's best. And Tennessee was able to get over the top there. And I guess the reason why you would bet Kentucky is you think Tennessee is looking ahead to next week against Georgia. And I don't think that's, that's going to be the case I at all. Think that, that makes no sense to me in this no, game. No, Tennessee's not going to be looking ahead. It's going to be a great atmosphere. They haven't done this that. This isn't an 11 a.m. kickoff. It'd be no, so dumb to look ahead. They haven't done that under Hypel either. I'd understand that if you had some evidence of them coming out not ready so far under Josh Hypel, but that just has not been the case. If they lose, it will be for this reason. I've laid out this formula all, all week, the pit formula. It is Kentucky is, is adept at short passing game, getting rid of the ball quickly, because Tennessee's going to deploy the same defensive strategy they did against LSU's weak offensive line, because Kentucky cannot protect Will Levis. They are going to send extra guys every time. If you can get rid of the ball quickly, and not even just running it, but getting you know five to seven yards of pass – short passing game, work the clock. The thought then would be, could you get Tennessee, even with all those yards and all the offense they're probably going to put up because they have in every game, could you get them pressing against a defense that's good at turning teams over? That's really good about making the big game-changing turnover. If that happens, Kentucky's covering at the very least in this game. Then you lose special teams. That's the formula. Kentucky's been bad on special teams too. Yeah, right. So Tennessee should have Outside an advantage Brown, on special teams. Yes. Yeah. They, and Barry on Brown is averaging over 40 yards when he actually returns it. But he's got a, a kickoff return for a touchdown, too. I'd be surprised if Tennessee gave him many opportunities to return kicks in this game. You're, you're going to see a lot of directional kicks or kicking it, trying to kick it through the end zone. Vanderbilt, by the way. Vanderbilt, uh, Chad, we're always gauging where they are. They're still in triple digits. Uh, but their three-point loss on the road last week – Moved them up six spots. They went from 107 to 101. Well, they covered. What was it? What was the line? 14. 14, yeah. And it was double digits. So, uh, yeah. How that, was Missouri? That them. I know it's one spot. How was Missouri ahead of Auburn? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. How is that possible? I guess the, the thinking is, you know, if they didn't fumble through the end zone at Auburn, I mean, they the win the game. The fact that Brian Harson remains the coach On is the road. good enough evidence for me that they're better than Missouri. I do love that Brian Harson is just laying down ultimatums to his team, too. If you're not with us, just GTFO. And everyone's I, saying, all right, see ya. That's and what he's he losing everyone in his freshman too. He class. He's just like, hey, ask me this stuff now because we are going into our bunker. And I, I want to side with Brian Harson on this one thing yeah, because I'm, there's a report where someone I don't you know it said Brian Harson responds to report. I saw I saw this this story. Brian Harson responds to report that he did not allow a player to redshirt and instead told him, enter the transfer portal yeah. if you don't want to play. And to that I say Go. Bravo. Yeah. I mean, if your response is, no, I'm trying to save my eligibility because I'm leaving at the end of the season, my response would be, I need you in this game. If you're not willing to play, leave now. Don't don't worry about it. You can leave our program this second. I I have no no problem at all. He also has nothing to lose. I mean, you know, it's not like he's trying to build a program long term. He knows he's gone. He knows he's gone, but he has something to gain with his next job. Right, yeah. like where his landing spot—that'll be a big topic for the off season. But it, it you know, it's it's going to be painted in whatever way they want to 
favorable for him or not based on where he goes because if he goes back to Boise State, the narrative from Boise will be good guy, went to the wrong job, was persecuted for no reason by these crazy Auburn fans, but he stood up for what was right with his team. Uh, He had a backbone about him. Guys left, but it's because he was doing the right things. They didn't want to be a part of it. And then if he goes somewhere and you want to bash Brian Harson, it's he left Auburn as a dumpster fire because their entire roster left during the I, season. I'm going to be intrigued if they're firing him, if they let him coach the Alabama game because he nearly won it last year. They were uh, up 10 nothing in the fourth. He's not someone who's going to stick around if fired. I don't think it's. it's I don't know if this any, is not. Those are guys who are like lifers at school that stick around. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if they win that game last year. Does what happened in February happen? I don't think so. Seems less likely. That's for sure. Um, Trey Wallace sends this text. Uh, Trey Wallace of Outkick. Uh, Cedric Tillman is going to give it a go. All uh, right. So Tillman suiting up against Kentucky. Uh, coming up, one big thing on every NFL game for Week Eight. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network continues with one big thing on every NFL game this weekend. Let's do it. And we kick off things tonight as the Ravens music is are great, in the Tampa Bay. Four and three Ravens, three and four Buccaneers. The Ravens are the eighth team since 2000 with a 10 or more point lead in each of their seven games of the season, first seven games of the season, Baltimore's four and three, having a 10 plus point advantage in all seven games. Every other team, all seven other teams since 2000, started seven and zero. Patriots, Saints, Patriots, Patriots, Packers, Colts, Eagles, all seven and zero. And here are the Ravens at four and three yes. against the Bucks. The Bucks. That's bad by the Ravens. We've been talking about them not being... Look, the Ravens are one of those teams that are defined. You know what they are. You say the name, you know the identity. This year, they are not that. I haven't been able to close it. Buccaneers, by the way, uh, the first team since 2009 with the Steelers to lose consecutive games outright as a favorite of at least nine and a half points. They're the only team on record since 78 to do it without turning the football over on either game. It's time to start shrinking those spreads. Broncos and Jaguars in London. Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown an interception in two weeks. I played well in London last season, throwing for like 318 yards. He had over 300 yards passing last week in the loss to the Giants. Jacksonville has lost four straight games. And while they are one of nine teams to play in five or more one-score games this season, they're the only team amongst that group to lose all of them. Jacksonville hosting hosting Denver this weekend at Wembley. I think you could 
Take positive from that if you want as the Jaguars. A young team gets to a point where it's close. They need the breakthrough in the close game. Is category. it working with gaining fans for the Jags in London? Is it becoming a big deal there? Oh, I think they do have a following. They're there. I, I mean, they, they sell do. out in minutes. But I know the NFL sells out in minutes. I'm just well, curious. They're there every if year, though. If they're, yeah, I'm saying, is there a large percentage of Jags fans in the house? Is it? Is that plan working? To make Londoners, I think Jags there are two fans. things. I mean, I mean, I think there are a lot of people there know. that are fans of teams. Yeah, but then I think you know, uh, Englanders looking for a team. I think they're more likely to pick the Jags. Panthers and Falcons in Atlanta. Carolina's two and five. Atlanta is three and four. The Panthers. They've already fired Matt Rule, of course. Um, they're only one game behind the Bucks in the NFC South. The Falcons are tied for first currently. And that's because every team in the NFC South is under 500 right now. There have been 40 games since Matt Rule was originally hired. And Steve Wilkes is playing the quarterback right now who has been in Carolina the entire time. They've made some moves, and now they're back with with Walker. Carolina actually has good defense against Rush, Rush average, eighth. And they're not great against a good pass rush, but the Falcons are not that team. Bears are in Dallas, three and four on the season now. Dallas is five and two. Uh, they're without Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to miss the game due to a knee sprain. So it's it's Tony Pollard. It's the Tony Pollard show in the backfield. Seventy-eight touches this season, four hundred eighty yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns. He's he's ready to rock and roll. He said. By by the way, McCarthy. Here's the stat on his defense. He's had just one top five defense as a head coach. And that was in 2010 with Green Bay. That was also the year they won the Super Bowl in Green Bay with Rodgers at quarterback. Dolphins in Detroit. Got two aback. The Lions are one and five this year. They are 4-18-1 under Dan Campbell. They've also been outscored 53-6 over their two losses in recent weeks. Uh, two losses in three weeks because of their bye week. Cardinals back on the road, three and four on the season. They are in Minnesota. The Vikings are coming off their bye week. Their last win was uh, against Miami. They're five and one. Minnesota has forced 10 turnovers in their six games, and they're trying to get back to their consistency offensively. Three weeks ago, 12 of 15 on third down against the Bears. Two weeks ago, two of 12 on third down. And they're going to try to slow down DeAndre Hopkins because... That's now the Arizona offense. He's now in the slot a lot more. He played 27 snaps in his first game back in the slot. That's 17 more than he's ever had in a single game with the Cardinals. They're using him differently now that uh, they've brought him back into the mix off of what they've done the first six games that he had to miss. It's a nice quirk. And um, his his targets, he had 48% of all the targets last week. And 10 catches. Of their offense. He's going to... You know where it's going. That's it. You know where it's going. Raiders and Saints, it's time to get it together for Vegas. They won last week in Houston. They're 2-4, and four, and this is why I'm worried that I've eliminated them already in our previous segment this week. All four of their losses has have been by six points or fewer, and here's their upcoming schedule. Saints, Jags, Colts, Broncos. It is time to win now. Can win three out win of four. Those now, easy. Josh McDaniels, and you're back in the mix. Josh Jacobs is keeping them there, too. So he had 144 yards against the Broncos, 154 against the Chiefs, 143 against Houston. The only player to rush for at least 143 yards in four consecutive games was Earl Campbell in 1980 with the Oilers. 
He's trying to make it the fourth consecutive as they take on New Orleans in the Big Easy. Las Vegas, ninth overall total offense. It's, uh doesn't feel like they've been that good, but you're, you've, you've got the reason why. Right yeah, they're now. losing very close in, in shootouts. Uh, Patriots and Jets. Patriots beat the Jets by a composite score of 79-19 in their two games last season. They have won 12 straight in this matchup. The New York teams, by the way, a combined 11-3 on the season. Steelers, back on the road, but they don't have to go far. Philadelphia, it's 2-5 Pittsburgh at 6-0 Philly. The Eagles coming off a bye. They have a league-high 14 takeaways, only two giveaways. They're the only team in the league that has not lost a fumble. And Jalen Hurts has thrown only one intercept, or excuse me, only 10 interceptions in his first 25 career starts. Only seven quarterbacks in NFL history have had that type of stretch for uh, from rookie on through, what, year four now for, for Jalen Hurts. Late it's afternoon kicks. Statistical mismatch. Philadelphia's fifth on offense, fourth on defense. Pittsburgh 30th and 28th. And Kenny Pickett, um, while we're – I may have to bring this up tomorrow, but Kenny Pickett said he, – here we go. He's the first NFL quarterback to throw seven or more interceptions and less than three touchdowns in his first four games since Ryan Leaf. Yeesh. He was my offensive rookie of the year pick. <laughs> Nailed it! Not doing great. Old Kenny. Hey, he's like the Raiders. It's time to time to do you, it man, now. Those you know, small hands will get you one way or the other. <laughs> Ask Ryan Fitzpatrick. Had a nice long career. But the small hands will always come back Can't to Can't handle you. that cold weather up no. in Pittsburgh. No, Guys, best, best third down Joking. defense in the NFL. Who is it? Best it's, third down uh, defense the in the fir- NFL. It's playing in the first late the game Dallas Cowboys. Sunday. The Tennessee Titans. Oh, I knew that. The Tennessee Titans. I just wrote a story about it third today. third down Paul, defense leave. in the NFL. <laughs> in the 2020, they were the worst in, in league history. 27 conversion rate for opposing offenses. The Texans have allowed a league-leading 32 runs of 10 or more yards. The Titans are allowing just 7.8 points per game in the first half. That's tied for the third fewest. Meanwhile, you've got great offense from the Texans through the first three quarters, and then they really tail off. But the Titans don't score in the fourth quarter. If the if the Texans could actually shape that game, I'd lean towards them. I just don't have any confidence they could shape that game. Titans are the only defense featuring three players with four or more sacks. They've got Autry, Simmons, and Weaver doing it. Except Simmons and Weaver haven't practiced this week. But, I mean, both teams want to shape the game the same way. Yes. So, it's just about who does it better. Well, the the Titans don't want to leave it to the fourth quarter because they haven't been finishing. Damian Pierce. But, yeah, you're right. Goes for his fifth straight game with over 100 all-purpose yards. Commanders on the road against the Colts. Sam Ellinger makes his first career start. They've... Now uh, won two in a row, and their upcoming schedule for the Commanders, Colts, Vikings, Eagles, Texans. That's their schedule over the next month. Giants and Seahawks, 6-1 and one, New York, 4-3 and three, Seattle. Like the Titans and Colts last week, this is the only game this week between teams with a winning record. It's unbelievable. Now, that there was a two chance weeks in a row. for three games this week with both teams having a winning record. And then there's some upsets last week and then Sunday night happened, or Monday night happened uh, with some of the records there. This is the only one. Six and one, four and three. 49ers at Rams. Three and four against three and three. The 49ers have beaten the Rams the last seven regular season games, but they lost in the NFC title game last January. And even in that game, San Francisco had a 17 to seven lead. And then Jaquiski Tart dropped a 
a layup of an interception that would have sealed the win and San Francisco would have been in the Super Bowl. Now, McCaffrey's been there a week and a couple days now. I would imagine they have something set up big for him to be featured and be a factor. Matthew Stafford, again, they're, they're coming off their bye. Stafford's pick six in week six, the 29th of his career. That tied him with Dan Marino for the second most in the league since 1950. And he has a minus two um, turnover differential right now. Touchdown to interception differential. He was on a bad team for a long time. Packers and Bills, Sunday night football. The Packers are three and four. The Bills are five and one. They're coming off a bye. Packers have lost three straight. Green Bay did not convert a third down last week. The first time that's happened for the Packers since 1999. And it's the first time in 234 starts for Aaron Rodgers that that has happened. It's unlikely that it happens again, but that's how bad their offense has been. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in two weeks. That's the first time in his career he's gone two consecutive starts without a touchdown pass. And he's also not passed for over 260 yards total in a game in nine straight starts, the longest streak of his career. Monday nights. Since LaFleur got there, they lost three, 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 and four games in a season. On Sunday, they're going to have lost five. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, they they tied their their loss total within the first half of the season. Bengals without Jamar Chase now. If you're just joining us, he's out four to six weeks with a hip issue. That coming from Adam Schefter. Burrow had nine completions of 20 or more yards last week alone. And they are on the road in Cleveland. Monday night football. Uh, Burrow and Chase. Touchdowns of 32 and 41 yards last week. In their 23 games together as teammates, they have connected on 11 touchdowns of at least 30 yards or more. They are, that's a huge explosive piece. We, you know, I'm not telling our audience anything they don't know, but I, I am curious. They had nearly three receivers reach 100 last week. Can someone step in and be that go-to guy? Higgins uh, had some struggles there for a while, I think injury-related. So it's time for Higgins and Boyd to to show. I mean, that's one of the best trios in the league. So this is, this is a critical point for Cleveland on Monday night. They have Deshaun Watson coming back. And if the goal is to just be, you know, in the mix, be seed 8 through 11, they have to avoid falling to 2 and 6. They've lost four in a row, I think. They right? have a bye coming up. And then they have trips to Miami and Buffalo after the bye. They need to beat Cincinnati at home on Monday Night Football. And then you have Watson eligible to return after week 11. You have uh, the the week where you go to Houston. It's a big week for them if you think that they're going to be around playoff contention, in the mix, in the hunt, as the NFL likes to say by the time December rolls around. Yeah, they've lost four in a row to the Falcons, the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Ravens. They're not trending anywhere where I have any faith in them. And then one of their losses, they lost within the last two minutes to the Jets. Erli. Yeah, they're not good. Coming up, we'll get you ready for the sports night. We'll give our predictions on Baltimore and Tampa Bay and There you go. There's one big thing on every NFL game in week eight. Stay tuned. We'll preview Lamar Jackson's trip to Tampa against Brady on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Game tonight does not lack storylines. Baltimore and Tampa Bay. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network previewing Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet will be on the call. Uh, The line is two. And Tampa's favored at home on the short week. Let's give our picks here. I'm I'm taking uh, Baltimore on the money line there. I think Baltimore wins by a field goal. And I'm taking the over 29 and a half pass attempts for Lamar Jackson. Don't let the stat line of last week against Cleveland fool you. If you look at his numbers, he has passed for 29 to 32 times in every other game, except for last week where I think it was 18. So take the over and know he averages between six and seven yards per play passing on completions on the season. So I'm going to go opposite of the winner. I think Tampa Bay figures it out to some extent and starts to right the ship tonight at home. Give me Tampa Bay minus two. I'm going to go Gus Edwards, who was questionable a week ago but played. Played pretty well. Questionable again tonight. I've got him as an anytime touchdown scorer. And Mike Evans of the Bucks also with an anytime touchdown. I, uh, I'm Baltimore money line. I like Mike Evans for a touchdown. I think after last week, that early drop, they're going to want to get him into the end zone. And Bucks under 22 and a half total points. This is $5 to get you 50. I, I mean, I, the only thing that worries me if you're pulling for the bet on the Ravens is the Ravens are banged up tonight in the secondary. And you've got some options that have been trying to get healthier for Tom Brady. The problem is Brady and the offense, they have not been moving the football. They didn't, it's not like they had a, a crazy turnover or, you know, massive stretch of penalties last week. None of that. No, no, no turnovers, no big penalties or dumb plays or big pass interference calls. It was just, there was no fluke to it. They just lost. I would bet Julio Jones not to lost finish to the game. If oh. that was available. <laughs> well, you, you wouldn't get great odds on that, though. No, I'd but you throw it in to bet. spice up your, yeah. uh, your That'd parlay. be a fun prop bet. Yeah, it's, it's Brady and Ra- – if, if we're looking at the positive stories of the season, Eagles, Jets, Giants, both teams in Jersey, what's going on there? If the uh, Brady and Rodgers, that's, that's the opposite end. If the reports are accurate about Giselle's ultimatum, would this, I mean, this could be his final game. What was the ultimate? Retire or I'm done. Yeah, if you want, if retire you're if you're serious about staying married, then you retire and come be with your family. Imagine how hated she'd be by <laughs> Buccaneers fans and NFL fans. But I mean, if they lose tonight, they're three and five. Blaine Gabbert time. There's no way that um, Brady can just walk out like that. <laughs> There's no way. You came back after quit. 40 days and well, you quit in, in your final year. That that it's just funny how saying it's like there's no way he could walk out like that the way he did his family. 
months ago when he decided to come back and play yeah, for 30 days right he yeah, walked they, out there but he's not going to leave his well, team that wasn't in the middle of the season though. he's Her, not going to uh, leave quitting his in the middle of the season i mean but he did he quit in the middle of his retirement <laughs> see what i'm saying he quit in the middle of oh now i'm going to be a full-time stay-at-home dad yeah i've spent well, after spending some time with my family i'm going to rejoin the team but now it's like there's no way brady would quit his On team, the team. <laughs> in the middle of a team commitment during a season. Yeah, I understand what weekly. you're saying, and I agree with you. That's weird. I don't think he's going to quit mid-season. It's us weekly. Uh, Giselle has informed him, quote, either he leaves football to spend time with the family or she is gone for good. And this is through Pro Football Talk. There's a lot of reports out there where she's retained the top divorce attorney in Florida that she's got as her counsel as well in this whole deal. Sad that... Uh that's reached that level. You well, it's even more sad if the team doesn't I mean, reach the playoffs. It reached right? that if you level left for a team that's not she good. She was saying this to Charlie Rose like six years ago. Yeah, before he sucked in New England that final She's year. She's got opinions. Well, she's it, not some shrieking violet. She she will tell you no, how she feels. But that's it's for clear sure. that that he made some sort of pledge that he went back on. Yeah, I think the pledge they had was a, a time. Let me go play somewhere for a couple of years, ticking clock, and then I'll be done. I want to go prove it somewhere else, and then that didn't happen. Just finish the year. Let's get us through. Let's watch you play a few times, <laughs> and uh, you can go off into the sunset. Can this ultimatum remain? Whatever sunset, whatever coast, whatever country you want to go to on your seven homes, Giselle, whatever, wherever you want him to be. What if his response I'll through his attorney was, can this ultimatum remain until we're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs? And it, is it, let's and let it, it might stay only there. be a window. couple weeks. Honey, it could be a month. If, if Atlanta gets good. <laughs> two weeks, three weeks, <laughs> could be two months. Just give me a little bit more time. Enjoy the football. We preview the weekend of football tomorrow. Outkick 360 starts at 2 Central, 3 Eastern across the Outkick Network. I beg of you, stop locking the box, but continue locking your locks. <laughs>